Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Welcome, welcome. We are in part uh, four, three. I don't even know what this is right now. What week is it? What did anybody know the date? We're in part four of, thank you, Peyton, part four of a series called I Am. We actually started this on Easter. Um, There are seven major statements throughout the book of John that Jesus made, and all beginning with the phrase, I am. This had to do with the fact that God in the Old Testament, when he introduced himself and they said, what is your name? He goes, I'm the great I am. And so Jesus showed up and began to like kind of build on that idea to let you know that he really was the son of God. That's who he was. And so not only that, though, is that God is so full and God is so big that you can't kind of like just wrap him up in one thing. And so Jesus takes this idea of God as the I am, the self-existence one, and he just builds on it. And so in week one, we looked at the fact that Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Next week, we, we looked at the idea that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Last week, we looked at the fact he said, I am the light of the world. He was building and trying to kind of like to slowly unravel not only the fact that he is God, but what God wants to do in you and through you and how you relate to God. And so if, if this makes any sense, let's put it like this. Jesus wanted you to know that when we are lost in our sin, we're dead. But wherever Jesus is, there is There's resurrection. Things come back to life. That literally in life, we go through life uh, hungry and unsatisfied. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the substance that satisfies you. You walk in darkness. When you are away from God and we live apart from God, we are literally walking in darkness. And Jesus says, I want you to know that I am the light that guides you home. And so today is a unique one. Today is probably the least known of all these seven I am statements that Jesus made. It's, it's, it's a bit odd. He says this, he says, I am the door or I am the, the gate. It's kind of odd. Most people don't know about this. And so if you have your Bible, go to John chapter 10. And I want to show you kind of what's going on, why Jesus would make this kind of odd and weird statement to say, I am the door. Because when you say I'm the light of the world, that doesn't just sound spiritual. When you say, I'm the bread of life, you're like, that sounds guruish. That's spiritual. When you say, I'm, I'm the gate, you're like, I don't, that don't make no sense. I am the gate. So today we will look at this idea. John chapter 10, let's read along together, if you will. Verse number one. Very truly, I tell you Pharisees. Everybody say Pharisees. So who's he talking to? He's talking to some Pharisees. The reason why this is important is because John chapter 9 and John chapter 10 are seamless. We later, just so you know, when John wrote the book of John... He didn't like do verses and do... That was added later so we could find stuff faster and have Bible drill contests and see who could the most quickly get to things in the Bible. Okay, that's why that was put in there. But it wasn't put in there when John wrote it. So John is just writing a story in verse or in chapter 9. It goes right into verse or chapter number 10. And these verses all go together. And this is kind of what's going on. This is the weirdest thing in the world. This is why Jesus was mad at the Pharisees. Now, if you don't know who the Pharisees are, if you're, if you're let me do this. The Pharisees are the bad guys of the Bible. Right? They're the Klingons. They're the, they're the, the, the evil empire. They, they're the bad folks of the Bible. And so Jesus is always rebuking, correcting. If he's ever harsh with anybody, it's with these people. And it's because that they had become religious leaders who were corrupt and actually misleading God's people. And so he's upset with these guys. And this is who he's getting against. And this is what just happened in John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, he heals a blind man who was born blind. 
The Pharisees who dislike Jesus are trying to figure out a way to either kill him or throw him in prison. They take the blind guy and interrogate him. Because how many of you know when you receive sight for the first time in your entire life, that's what you want to happen to you. You want to be interrogated for getting your sight back. And the guy's like, you know, who did this? What happened? He's like, I don't know. I'm blind. You know, like... Nobody took a picture and gave it to me. I don't know who did this. A guy walks up and says, do I want to see? And I say, what? Of course. Yeah. So they interrogate him. And so he kind of gets a little bit sarcastic with him and they throw him out. So they take this guy who's got sight for the very first time in his life. They interrogate him and then they kick him out. And then Jesus sees this and sees what's going on. And now he is addressing these corrupt religious leaders for their Weirdness. Now that makes sense. Let's keep going. So, t- t- uh, truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, he is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from the stranger because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And Jesus was using this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus, I'm going to just spell it out for you. I tell you, I am the gate of the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. Here it is again. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in. They will go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, depending on what translation of the Bible you're reading. And so how many know that's, that's kind of a famous verse? We love that one, that Jesus has come, that we might have life and life to the fullest, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And normally when we talk about the thief, we're usually, people are saying, well, there's a, there's a devil, there's Satan, and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's a fair analogy. But what's really going on is Jesus is rebuking corrupt religious leaders, and he calls them thieves and robbers. And so Jesus is basically introducing himself into that context. He goes, I am, everybody say, the gate. Now, now, this is what you don't know. Um, how many of you have ever like, grown up on a farm, spent a lot of time on a farm? Anybody out there? Yeah, I see some hands. Okay. I grew up, uh, um, my grandfather was a cattle rancher in South Carolina, and I used to go spend tons of time in the summer or almost every weekend we were down there. I spent a lot of time at this farm. And, and then like the way that my grandfather had done, he had pastures set aside and separated because you had to rotate the cows so they wouldn't just burn out one you know, one specific pasture. And so he would rotate them. And so there was a constant, like, there's a pin here, but a gate leads to this one. And there's a, and he would always say, Todd, don't forget to close what? The gate. Why? Because there's nothing worse than cows getting out. And that's, that's bad because they do that anyway. And so he would always get on us. Don't forget to close the gate. Don't forget to close the gate. And then of course we were kids. What did we do? We forgot to close the gate sometimes. So anyway, um, thank God a cow never got out because of me. 
I just want to put that out there. I never once blew it and, and got a cow out into the road or anything crazy like that. And so, so anyway, I grew up with this idea of cattle and fences and gates. And so this began to make a lot of sense to me. Now, they weren't talking about cattle. What's the analogy that he's talking about? He's talking about sheep. Yeah, because this was huge for them. This was a, a, an agricultural society. They were either into farming and planting and crops or they were into uh, basically ranching. And the main thing that they would, they would take care of as far as animals was sheep. And so everybody knew this. Like remember when baby Jesus were born, the angel came and spoke to the, the shepherds. Yeah, this was like a big deal in their society. And so everybody would know what the kind of the job description of a shepherd was. And everybody knew sheep. This was just a big part of their livelihood. And so Jesus is playing on this analogy. And it even says the Pharisees weren't tracking. Like, I don't even, I don't, I don't get it. And when you first read these 10 verses, you're almost confused because he's talking about a sheep and a shepherd and a gatekeeper and thieves and robbers. And you're like, okay, who are the, who are the revolving parts here? Who are the players and the characters? And then he says something kind of weird. He goes, I am the gate, which I didn't even know the gate was a person. I thought it was just a gate, but he goes, no, I am a gate. And here's, here's what you may not know. So when you were a shepherd back then, you would take your sheep out to graze and to eat. And then at night you would come back to the village. And then typically what they would do is every village would have a big pen and they didn't care about keeping the herd separate. I'll tell you about that later. They would just let them all go into the same pen. And then a gatekeeper would come out at night. He was a hired hand and he would just watch the sheep at night. And this would be a pen and you would have them in the pen so that predators couldn't come. Thieves couldn't come. The, the gatekeeper would kind of watch and see what was going on. And the shepherds would go sleep at night. Now, here's the other dynamic that's in play. Many times you might be out too far away from the village and what they would do is they would build temporary shelters for the sheep. And so this was literally like they just start building like a rock wall and then maybe throw some like thorns over the top of it. And they would build these kind of temporary shelters, literally just kind of out in the wilderness. And then what they would do is, is they would leave an opening for the sheep to come in and go out. And then at that point, the shepherds wouldn't go into the village to go sleep. Literally, the shepherd would lay down in the entryway and sleep in the entryway because he knew no one's coming in unless they come through me. And no sheep is getting out unless he goes through me. Do you get the picture now? He wasn't saying like, it wasn't an odd metaphor. He was, no, I'm the shepherd that literally lays in the, in the, in the doorway. I am the gate. Think about it like this. The door, the gate, is a symbol of access. Does that make sense? It's how you come in. It's how you get out. It's, Jesus is literally saying that salvation comes through me. Like, I'm the gate, I'm the door, I'm the way that you get into this thing called abundant life and salvation. It is actually through me. Listen to what he says. He goes, I am the gate. Whoever does what? Enters through me will be saved. They come in, they go out, and they find pasture. So Jesus was saying is that I am the way of access. I am the way to life and salvation and eternity. It is me. But there's something else interesting that's going on here is the door is not just a symbol of access. The door is also a symbol of what? Yeah. Because he's like, there's thieves and robbers. Remember David would talk about, remember King David before he became King David? He was a shepherd. And remember when he went to go face Goliath and they were like, you're just a chump little kid. You can't take on Goliath. And he said, but when I was a shepherd, when the lion would come, 
I killed the lion. And when the bear would come and try to take one of my sheep, I'd go track him down. I'd kill him too. So this was the image is that they recognized that there were predators. There were thieves and robbers. There were things that you needed protection from. And that's what Jesus is playing on, that Jesus is our protector. Now, let me throw out another idea here because I don't want you to lose sight of the big analogy here. Yeah, there's thieves and robbers. Yeah, there's predators. But what is the overall analogy? That Jesus is a shepherd and that you are a... Let's try that again. That Jesus is a shepherd and you are a... Now you're all in. Because I know how it is. Because normally when you ask questions at church, the answer is always Jesus. And so if you say anything other than Jesus, you're like, ah. The answer was sheep. You guys nailed it. And so that's the big analogy, isn't it? Now here's the problem with, with, with that analogy. It's not necessarily like flattery to be called a sheep, as we will see here in just a moment. But this analogy is all throughout the Bible. Like think about Psalms 23. I am, I, you know, the, the, the Bible talks about the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack for anything. Listen to some of these other scriptures. Ezekiel 34 says, you are my flock, the sheep of my pasture. Isaiah 53 says this, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Psalms 100, he made us and we are his, we are his people, we are the what? We are the sheep of his pasture. Even Jesus, at the end, kind of one of the last parables that Jesus tells is this parable of sheep and goats. And he says this, he says, all nations will be gathered in his presence. He will separate the people as a shepherd separates what? Sheep from goats. I don't want to get into that. Nobody wants to be a goat. You got, you'd still rather be a sheep than be a goat. But a sheep is not necessarily flattery. Now, now here's kind of what's in play, though. They, the sheep was valuable to them. They loved the sheep. They, remember, they, Jesus said, I call them by name. How many of y'all got pets out there? Do you, does anybody have a pet where you're just like, hey, dog, get over here? No, I mean, dogs, Roscoe, or, you know, or, or little mittens, or, you know, whatever. You don't just have animals and not name. They weren't like sheep number five, get over here. No, he named their sheep. These were like, like they loved the sheep. This is like a somewhat of a relational kind of a thing here. And this is, don't get away from this analogy. That Jesus is the shepherd and that you are the sheep. All right, but here's, here, here's the problem. Sheep are dumb. <laughs> they are. If you're taking notes, you need to write, sheep are not smart. They're dumb. As a matter of fact, because I, 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 and this isn't the first time I've done an entire series on Psalms 23. I've studied the sheep and the shepherd and the dynamic. Sheep, sheep are dumb animals. Do y'all know that? Like dumber than a box of rocks, just dumb. As a matter of fact, the, like the, the, there was a story of a shepherd and he was saying, well, especially in this hill country, is that a sheep many times would see like a little patch of grass, but it would be like down in a little area that once he got down, he couldn't get back up and he'd just die down there if it wasn't for the shepherd. So he goes, the sheep will go down in there. They're just dumb. They don't think I can't get back up. I'll be stuck there forever. I'll die. They don't care. This is why people that like uh, do do like certain mountain hikes, they'll find sheep carcasses in these weird places. Why? Because sheep just see grass, mm, grass, go. And they go without any thought of like, how do I get back or whatever? And so the shepherd said, I'll let him finish that patch of grass before I rescue him. Because if I rescue him and pull him out, he will look and just go right back in there. And, and that's just the, the nature of sheep. Sheep are, are dumb. Listen, there was a news article. This is, comes out of the nation of Turkey. Listen to this. Hundreds of sheep followed their leader 
This was like, because whenever you see sheep move, they move as like a pack, and then normally you'll see one at the front, and then they all follow. It said this, hundreds of sheep followed their leader off a cliff in eastern Turkey, plunging to their deaths this week while shepherds looked on in dismay. 400 sheep fell to their deaths in a ravine in Van province near Iran, but broke the fall of an additional 1,100 sheep that did survive. Shepherds from a nearby village neglected the flock while eating breakfast, leaving the sheep to roam free. The loss of the local farmers was estimated at $74,000. Guys, sheep are just dumb. They're like, we're running. Let's go. You know, people are going that way. Let's go. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are stubborn. Here's another thought. Like, sheep are stubborn. Like, like if you ever watch sheep, when sheep, sheep will like get stuck trying to go through like a narrow way and they'll start bumping into each other and no, they don't got reverse. There ain't no reverse on a sheep. And they literally just start, just like keep butting into each other, keep hitting each other over and over and over. Same thing, like there's countless stories of like sheep who, who get stuck trying to like get through a hole in the fence and then the shepherd pulls them out and they go right back in it. Just stubborn, like I'm getting through there. Um, here, here's another one. Sheep are filthy. How many know like your dog, Little Mittens, Roscoe, they lick themselves clean and like they have like cleaning mechanisms or whatever, cleaning instincts. Sheep don't clean themselves. Them dirty. Can you and think as the wool gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it just starts collecting more and more and more. How many germaphobes are going crazy right now? Ha ah. And as a matter of fact, this is, this is part of what the shepherd would do. So when the sheep would come into the pen at night, whether it was at the village or out in the middle of nowhere, he would literally lay down his rod and then he would inspect every sheep before they would go in because they'll get these, these ticks and gnats and bugs and it will drive the sheep crazy. But the shepherd has to clean them because the sheep won't clean themselves. They're, they're filthy. Uh, sheep are directionless. I don't know if you know this or not. How many know like a lot of animals have homing beacons and homing mechanisms? Birds fly south for the winter and they'll come back to the same spot. The next, you know, a horse will go home. Sheep are are directionless. I mean, absolutely no sense of direction whatsoever. Like if they do get out of the pen, they can find the gate to get out or the hole in the pen to get out can never find it to get back in. And so anyway, they're they're directionless. Um, Here's another one. They're restless. They're fidgety little things. If you ever see them, there's, there's some sheep over on like uh, 580. If you're ever driving over 580 by Target, there's a little sheep. And you're like, oh, look, the little ones are born and they're so cute. And then you're like, but they're fidgety. Like if you try, if you're not the shepherd and you try to go up and they're, they're fidgety little things and they get scared of anything. And once they get fidgety and restless, I mean, they just get worked up. Anything, whether it's like a fear of a predator, if they're hungry, if they're fighting with each other, if they do have like some type of insect or pest, they're super restless little animals. Here's another one. They're defenseless. How I many know like most animals got some fangs or some claws or what does a sheep do? Yeah, back off. You know what? I don't. What? What do you? Cause like, that was a bad joke. Um, what do you do if you're a sheep? Cause like, some animals just run fast. That's their. That's their. You know, their protection mechanism. They just run fast. You ever seen a sheep? It's no ballerina. It's not agile. It's not graceful. It's not a gazelle. It ain't none of those things. It is. It is slow. It's clunky. It, it, so it can't run, it can't fly. I mean, they just headbutt each other, but that's not a lot when you got a real predator coming after you. Like they got nothing, and 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 
I guess when you think about this, the more you start looking at it and you're like, I'm insulted as a Christian. Jesus, as a follower of you, you have insulted me. Why couldn't I be like a puma or a, or a lion or a cheater or something cool? Let me be a bird. I'll be an eagle. You said I was a sheep. And they're dumb. My point is, is that this is the relationship that we have ultimately. Because it's, when we look at the analogy, I guess, I guess here's what you would need to recognize. That apart from Christ, we are dumb. Have you ever just watched human behavior and human nature? Not you, other people. Your neighbors, not you. Your coworkers, not you. You're one of the smart few. You're a smarter sheep. You're an apex sheep. But sheep in general are dumb. But, 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 but human nature, sinful nature is dumb. Like, isn't it? Like, like we talked about like stubborn. Sinful nature is stubborn. You ever met people? Won't listen to nothing. You love them, pray for them, you try to give them advice, don't care. You ever seen people do the same dumb thing over and over and over again? You're like, why do you keep on doing that? Like, why are you so stubborn that you won't listen or you won't, re- you won't quit? You won't let it go. Why, why do you do Like, does that ring a bell? Like, like people are, are, are filthy. Um, not, not in a cleanliness sense, but like the, the Bible talks about like a cleanliness of your heart. Like in our heart, our hearts are impure. Can I put it that way? Like there is an impurity to sinful man. Where do you think evil comes from? It comes from the sinful desires or the impure desires of mankind. Hey, we're directionless. You ever, and I'm not talking about men, but like as a whole, (laughs) as a whole, we're directionless people. You know, like I know we don't want to stop and ask directions, but that's the beauty of Surrey. You just plug that in, Surrey tell you where to go. But, But as a people... Like, I know so many people, like, you even grew up going to church. And then, like, you, you know your life is in, in, in the wrong direction. And somebody's like, hey, man, you need to come to church with me. I know Jesus still loves you. And, I, I, you know, and, and you're like, no, 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 not right now. I need to go clean my life up first. Directionless. Know how to get out. Don't know how to get back in. Does that ring a bell? We're restless. You ever watch people and the amount of fear and worry and stress that we constantly carry. We're fidgety. I mean, I talk to people regularly, and this is just people that do follow Jesus, but we're constantly bound up by our worries and our fears that something's going to happen. And most of the stuff that we're afraid of happening never happens. We just want to think about it a lot. Restless. We are defenseless many times. Sinful mankind is like a sheep. And what we're trying to do as we follow Jesus is stay close to the shepherd because ultimately Jesus is our protector. Like you need to know that. Like Jesus wants to protect you from Satan. Jesus wants to protect you from, from harsh, mean, lifeless religion. Jesus needs to protect you from yourself. You are a sheep. And Jesus is wanting to protect you from you. And it's simply because Jesus loves you. Jesus is so inviting you in. Jesus is so wanting to make sure that you are close to him, that you are under, that you're in the pen, that you're under the protection, that he's the one watching out for you, inspecting you for whatever that you need to get clear and clean of. And he is wanting to be your protector. 
But don't get it twisted. We are the sheep. Now, I'm going to give you some good news because that was a kind of depressing there for a second. We're like, wow, I'm a sheep. One of the things that the sheep has going for it, though, is really kind of fascinating. One of the things that the sheep has that does distinguish it from a lot of other animals is this. The single greatest strength of the sheep is this. It is the ability to recognize the shepherd's voice. There is something so interesting that I want you to watch it on film. But it's, it's, it's the sheep and their ability to distinguish. Remember I told you that they would take all the sheep and put them in the same pen even if they were from different herds? And you would think, well, surely they're going to get mixed up. How do you tell them that far apart? They kind of look the same. And what's interesting, and you can go over into the Middle East today and still see this. They'll come out of the pen, and it looks like pure chaos. One shepherd will go that way. Another will go this way. And they all have a unique call. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Like, my grandfather, he could do this with his cattle. He would go out, and we'd bring hay out into the pasture. And he would, he, this is what he would do. You, come on here. Come on, and you would think, what in the world are you yelling? Come on here. And that's what grandpa, I didn't even call him grandpa, his name was Doc. And um, he, didn't, he didn't have a name, he had initials. His parents didn't like him. Um, his initials were J.S. Hendricks, that was my grandfather's name. Everybody called him Doc, but that's what Doc would do. Doc would go out in the pasture, come on here, and the cows would just come. But they've seen this old guy for years come out into the pasture. They knew his voice and they knew him. And so that's what would happen. The pens would, would, would empty and the sheep would look chaotic. But as soon as the shepherds started making their own call, and it was all a little bit different sometimes. It was like a noise or a twill or something. All of a sudden the sheep would just do this right here. As a matter of fact, there's, there's this story about in World War I, um, there were some soldiers. The Turkish soldiers had basically um, gone and taken sheep at gunpoint. So they went to the shepherds and they realized they wanted to steal the sheep for whatever reason, I guess meat or food or whatever. And so what are the shepherds going to do? Like I got a stick and a rock and you've got an AK-47 or whatever. So what do I do? And so they just, they had to just let the sheep go. And so the, the soldiers took off with the sheep and the shepherds all knew what they were going to do. They weren't that worried because what happened was is at night when everything got calm, they went over near to where the sheep were being held and they just start calling for the sheep and the sheep totally break out, abandon, get loose and go right back to what they were following the shepherd's voice. Now, in light of that, listen to these words. From the, from the scripture that we read earlier today. And I'll tell you why this is so important. Remember in verse 3 it said the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. Verse 4, his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Verse 5, because they do not recognize a stranger's voice, they will not follow him. Verse number 8, the sheep have not listened to them. What is Jesus talking about? What's the whole parable about? When you see the repeated lines, you keep hearing listen, voice, call. Listen, voice, call. And the greatest strength that the sheep has going for it is its ability to recognize the shepherd's voice. Check this video out. Because if I'll follow Jesus, I'm going to be okay. Um, this past week, I talked to a gentleman, and, 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 and he sat down, and he was pouring his heart out to me about where his life was and where he'd come from and what he was going through. And he was so weighed down and so burdened with what life had kind of put on him. And, and a lot of it was even the, the decisions that he had made. Some stuff was completely out of his control, but he was so weathered and worn down. And he told me all of his life experience. And my heart broke because I thought, man, I, I, don't, I don't know that I could even relate to how much this gentleman has been through in life. And, and we were done. 
I wanted to encourage him. And so I, I, you know, I talked to him, I prayed for him. And then later I sent him an email. I had him on my mind. I said, I want you to know that no matter what you've done or, or where you've been or what you've been experiencing, I want you to know like you might be like a prodigal son, but when you read the story of the prodigal son, it, the father was not reluctant to have the son come home. He wasn't standing there tapping his feet, ready to give you like a nice, I told you so. But that the father literally was waiting in anticipation, looking out in the distance. And when he even sees the son out into the distance, the Bible says that he runs to him. I mean, this is just the most incredible story. I'm, I'm telling you, I want you to know your heavenly father is so inviting you back, is so encouraging you, so anticipating, so waiting for you to come home. It's an open invitation. All you do have to do is come. And then I was, I was studying this weekend and putting kind of the final touches on this message. It, it dawned on me. I don't even know that that's the, the, the greatest analogy because in the same chapter, he throws, tells three parables all with a similar idea. And one of them is the parable of the shepherd and the lost sheep. And in one story, it's a father who's just anticipating waiting on the son to come home. But in the other parable, it's a shepherd who leaves 99 to go find the one. I want you to know today that there's just not an open invitation where he's eagerly anticipating you coming home. But I want you to know that the shepherd is actively looking for you, that he loves you. He is walking, he is searching, he is calling and inviting you. It's beyond just, it's more than that, that literally you are here today, maybe for that very reason, is because somehow God ordered your steps and brought you here today just so that you could know that Jesus is still waiting on you, that Jesus is calling you, that he knows you by name, and that he dearly loves you. And I want you to know that that's the invitation that's awaiting you, even now. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Today, if you're here and you say, man, I... I feel like a sheep. I feel like sometimes I've done life stubbornly and I decided I would do my own thing and go my own way and make my own path and I'll do what I think is right or what's best. And I'm just, maybe that's you. But I want you to know that there's an invitation for you to make Jesus the shepherd of your life. I want you to know that there's an invitation for you to come just as you are. Sheep are dirty, filthy. Sheep are stubborn. Just come as you are. Just come. And I want you to know that not only is there an invitation that's open-ended, I want you to know that there is a shepherd that's been calling you and looking for you. And maybe today's your day. And if you're in this place and you say, Todd, I know that I need to get right with God, that I need Jesus in my life. And I get now that Jesus is, is more than just, he's, he actually wants to be involved in my life. And if that's you here today, and you say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need to turn in my heart towards Jesus. Then on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand to say, yeah. I need Jesus. One, two, three, and lift your hand up in the air. Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Jesus, you can put your hand down now. Let's pray today. Dear Jesus, we, we come to you, God. We are so uh, grateful that you called, that you know us by name. We're so grateful that you made a way, that you're literally the door. You're the way we get in. You are the doorway to salvation, to, to life, to hope, to meaning, to all things, Lord God. And so we come to you today in our hearts, God. And this just needs to be your simple prayer. Jesus, I come. Jesus, I recognize that I am lost and I need you, that I am a sheep and I need a shepherd. It's that simple. It's in my heart. I need to turn towards you to God, ask for forgiveness and to ask you to become the one that leads my life. So Jesus, I answer the call. Jesus, I come. Jesus, I don't even know what that means completely, but I know that I want to know you, and I know that I want to follow you, Lord. That is my prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said...
Amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap today? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.